Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. You can also visit The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. In Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 4, Moses lays out a hypothetical. Suppose a prophet or a dreamer of dreams rises to prominence among the children of Israel, and this prophet makes a prediction about the future that comes true. But with that prediction, he says, let us go after other gods and let us serve them. In such a case, Moses says, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice. You shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. Deuteronomy 13, verses 3 and 4. The prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Why? Because even though what he predicted came true, what he taught violated Scripture. From this example, we can glean several important lessons about false teaching. But before we get into this, please help me out. I want the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach as many people as possible. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please subscribe and tap the bell icon to receive updates when I upload new content. If you're listening to the Gospel Saves podcast on iTunes or Spotify, please consider giving the podcast a five-star rating and writing a review. When you do one of those simple things, you help those big tech algorithms notice the gospel saves content. I can't do this without your help, so please help me preach the good news of Jesus to as many people as possible. Okay, let's talk about the three signs of false teaching taught by Deuteronomy 13, 1-4. We should always compare what we are taught with what has previously been revealed. The first two commandments issued at Mount Sinai make it clear that Jehovah expected absolute faithfulness from his people. You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make any graven images. In the example of Moses, the prediction made by the prophet came true, but what the prophet taught clearly contradicted what was previously revealed. Thus, Moses trained the Israelites to return to Scripture in order to verify the truthfulness of the prophet's message. In an echo of the instructions of Moses, God says to the prophet Isaiah, And when they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek after their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. These examples remind me of those in the synagogue of Berea, who, when Paul preached Jesus to them, received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Acts 17, 11. Let's put ourselves in the sandals of the Bereans for a moment. 
This Paul fellow, a complete stranger, has special powers. He's able to perform signs and wonders. But with these miracles, he's claiming a man from Nazareth, Jesus, is Christ. He's also claiming that this Jesus fulfills all of the prophecies about Christ from Moses onward. You can imagine the Bereans saying to themselves, let's hear this guy out. Let's consider what he says from the scriptures and determine if, in fact, what he teaches is from God. The Bereans faithfully carried out the command of Moses. They did not accept Paul's teaching at face value, but rather drilled down into the content of his message. We should all take their example to heart. It's easy to be distracted by eloquence or charisma or emotion or intelligence. We hear something that sounds like a message from God, and we don't notice the subtle contradiction that goes along with it. While the Bereans were open-minded to a new interpretation, they were also skeptical enough to evaluate Paul's teaching in light of what was previously revealed. No matter what is said, no matter who says it, no matter how truthful it may appear, always compare what you were taught with what the Scripture says. False teaching, even when it directly contradicts Scripture, can be very persuasive. Is there any sign that establishes a prophet's credibility more than accurately predicting a future event? I have read books written 30, 40, even 50 years ago by authors who saw what was on the horizon for our culture and warned of the dangers to come. When I read such a work, I tend to pay more attention to what was said by these prescient authors. That's simply human nature. Moses tells the Israelites that God allowed this prophet's prediction to come true in order to test them. Will they allow a sign that appears to be from God to mislead them into idolatry? And so Moses warns the Israelites to be cautious and discerning, to not allow good judgment to be overruled by an impressive sign, because not all signs are from God. 2 Thessalonians 2.9 teaches that Satan is capable of deceiving the world with all power, signs, and lying wonders. When warning the Corinthians about false apostles, Paul reminds the brethren in 2 Corinthians 11.14 that Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness— whose end will be according to their works. What appears to be from God may in fact be a lying wonder. This is why the apostles, like Moses, urged the church to be discerning, to test what is taught against what had already been revealed. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-3 through 3 is an excellent example. John begins, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Once again, we see the idea of a lying wonder. Evil spirits can appear to be from God. Not every teaching that appears to be from God is in fact from God. So John tells us to test the spirits, to distinguish between what is true and what is false. He goes on to give an example. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. 
Scripture teaches us that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Therefore, any teaching that contradicts this truth is false, no matter how righteous and true and good the teaching may appear. Like Moses, John urges us to not be misled by the appearance of divine origin, but to dive beneath the surface and compare what is taught to what has previously been revealed. Do not underestimate the power of false teaching to persuade people to disobey the commands of God. Paul tells Timothy of a day to come when false teaching would affect the church by commanding Christians to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. 1 Timothy 4.3 God very clearly removed the dietary restrictions legislated under Moses. But Paul says there would be those in the future who restricted diets in the name of Christ. Why would people fall for such an obvious contradiction? Well, here's what Paul says to the Colossians. Again, he's talking about false teaching that puts in place certain restrictions like do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Colossians 2, 21-23. Did you notice what Paul says about these restrictions? They have an appearance of wisdom. They appear wise and religious, and we feel religious when we implement them. So even though such regulations directly contradict the teachings of the New Testament, the appearance of religiosity persuades people to observe them. False teaching can be very persuasive. On the surface, a teaching may appear to be true and right, but we should peel away its layers, carefully and judiciously examining it in light of what God has revealed. The reason why false teaching deceives through appearances is it contains an element of truth. Rarely, if ever, does false teaching present itself as blatantly false. The sign that came to pass in the example of Moses contains the hallmarks of a message from God, a revealed truth. In the example from Paul concerning those who restrict diets for spiritual purposes, such restrictions are appealing because of the dietary regulations under the old law. The doctrine seems more legitimate because it can be found in the Bible. Or in the example from John, the false teaching acknowledged that Jesus was manifested in the world, it simply denied the form in which he was manifested. To give an appearance of legitimacy, all false teaching must have at least a kernel of truth. Jesus describes false teachers as wolves in sheep's clothing, and it seems reasonable to conclude that false teaching is the same. On the outside, it looks like a sheep. It appears to be Christian, biblical, or spiritual, and it appears this way because it contains elements of truth. But it's only when you begin to peel away the layers, to take away the costume, so to speak, that the deadly enemy can be seen. As a dear brother in Christ often says, 98% of rat poison is unharmful, but it's the 2% that kills the rat. 
Peter talks of the difficult things written by his fellow apostle Paul, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures, 2 Peter 3.16. We expect false teaching to come in the guise of a dark, malevolent figure, but Peter says it doesn't work that way. People twist the truth to serve their own purposes. Acknowledging that Jesus came to earth, just not in the flesh, is the truth with a twist. People who believe in Jesus but adopt dietary restrictions akin to those under the old law have embraced the truth with a twist. False teaching is not the absence of truth, it's the distortion of truth. And in some cases, the truth is corrupted by just a small kernel of falsehood. As I draw this to a close, let me leave you with a few key thoughts. No matter what is said, no matter who says it, no matter how truthful it may appear, always compare what you are taught with what the Scripture says. False teaching can be very persuasive. On the surface, a teaching may appear to be true and right, but we should peel away its layers, carefully and judiciously examining it in light of what God has revealed. When you encounter a new doctrine, you will find some or many elements of truth, but be on the lookout for the twist. Our best protection against false teaching is to get as familiar as we can with the Bible. Sometimes I receive a message on social media from a person I know in real life. The message is so out of character that I quickly suspect that their account was either hacked or cloned. I know the message is not from them because I know them. In like manner, the best way to identify false teaching is to know the Bible as well as we possibly can. If we know the original, we can spot a fake more easily. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will. Oh,